Peter Gray, uh, thanks for joining us today and no taking worries. the time out. Um, what I tend to do with most guests to join us on the show is I spend a bit of time researching them and, and trying to piece together uh, who they are and what they're about. It's really challenging with you because you've got such a breadth of experience and knowledge. Um, maybe let's start, paint us a picture, um, who you are, what's going on? Who, who I am? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a Melbourne boy, Melbourne Melbourne born and bred. And, uh, and um, I guess, you know, grown up, typical you know, suburban thing and then uh, ended up uh, going through engineering at, at uni and uh, and getting into into IT and, and technology and started as a software developer mm-hmm. and, and really from there got into the early days of data and analytics. I was pretty lucky to get on a on a global project in the world of what they called data warehouses at the time, which uh, nobody at that time knew what they were, and then they got very trendy, and then they got very untrendy. Mm. Um, and uh, but um, but worked in that whole world of of data and analytics for for a lot of time, and uh, um, you know consulting, running consulting businesses, um, you know, and, and you know building building businesses, building teams, and, and all that type of stuff, and then. Uh, have uh, over the last, um, I guess it's nearly the last 10, 10 years, uh, have, have sort of been able to start combining the, the work with um, technology and into into sports um, and particularly through um, uh, sort of, I guess, a, a, a sort of seminal moment um, with um, uh, with the Tour de France and, and being uh, given the opportunity to uh, get involved and, and lead a, a major project with, uh, with, with the Tour de France and... Uh, yeah, I've spent the last ten years working really around uh, technology innovation, um, uh, you know, building new capabilities and new products in sports, but then also um, how that applies into other industries and and uh, other use cases yeah, around the place. So, what does that look like in terms of of data analytics and, and analytics in sport? Like, what is the what's the playing field look like? What is the what is the data you're dealing with, and what are the results you're looking for? Yeah, there's really a whole bunch of things. So, so you know in Sports is kind of like you know pretty much every other industry on data is, and, and technology is becoming more and more important. Mm. And so, so if you look at, um, at, at teams or clubs, they're using data to optimize their athletes' you know, performance to, to measure um, uh, to, to measure you know, things like their power, measure their uh, strength, measure their training load. Optimize nutrition, optimize hydration, all of these types of things. So, yeah, you know, the same as you know, I, you know, you're wearing an Apple Watch, I'm wearing a Garmin watch, and those those things are now taking more and more data that, yeah. about us and and coaching us on on things. This will tell me how much I'm meant to drink today, or you know, have I over exercised or under exercised? And you know, in the in the professional sporting uh, space or the elite perform, uh, sporting space then you know that's that's then at another level mm. where you know they're really looking to optimize that uh, that one percent and, and so so they're using data um, for, for for that but then if you t- look at um, you know sports as a business and and sports is a business yep. you know, and, you know it's a you know um, major sport organizers and broadcasters are making money and they make money through eyeballs uh, people watching the sport, whether that's through purchasing tickets to to go to to go to games, to go to matches, whether that's um, you know, uh, acting, um, uh, engaging through digital means, through website, through social media, etc., or um, uh, whether that's through uh, broadcast, you know, whether that's you know, streaming broadcast or or traditional 
uh, traditional broadcast. Yep. You know, that's that's the money in sports is largely tied to eyeballs, and it and it's heavily weighted around sponsorship dollars, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and around broadcast rights or digital rights, and and so then data and analytics has a really important role to play in that, um, both in terms of creating content, so you know, creating you know, really interesting stories about what's going on, helping people to understand a strategy or what's happening in the game. You know, we're here in Victoria, the home of, of AFL football, and you know, you, you'll see the Telstra tracker and you know, how many yeah. how many kilometres has somebody run. And, and those, those kinds of things, they're, they're kind of incidental, but they also just help normal people start to understand the performance of these athletes. So when you start to hear... You know that player has run 15 kilometres during this game. You go, oh, okay, running 15 k's is actually pretty pretty hard. Yeah, and and that's if I just go out and pace myself, and they're not pacing themselves. Um, you know, and so you start to get a, a bit of an appreciation for, for for those athletes' performances. So so you know it's part of creating a great uh, product that's engaging for for the audience, but it's also about you know understanding that audience and. Um, and being able to measure, you know, what 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 people uh, are interested in, what what do they engage with, you know, how do I create better product um, that, um, that that fans are going to get excited about? And does that start to happen now across multiple streams of media? Like it used to be, if you were like the Tour de France, you'd sit up in the morning and watch the Tour de France, right? But yep. now there's so many more levels to it. What what other forms of media and what other types of engagement are critical to pulling that attention to the game? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, and like the tour, you know, we talk about the, the tour is like, it's a, it's a really interesting case study in this because the tour is over 100 years old, you know, and yet, yeah, it still has a massive audience. But, mm. but you know, it was originally created as, a, 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 as, as something to sell newspapers, it, it was right. created as content. Yeah, right. You know, okay, so so you know you, you had a, a newspaper owner in France who said, you know, I want to sell more newspapers. I've got to put great stories in there. So I'm going to create this bike race and get these cyclists to do crazy things like ride up, you know, the French Alps and and, and you know uh, and ride massive distances all around France. And each day, my journalists are going to write stories about it in the paper, and people will get excited about that and and. Keep buying the paper. Yeah, you know, that's that's where the Tour de France started, wow. and so then you know that that um, that event has has then evolved over the years. So through you know uh, through through newspaper into radio into the world of you know black and white TV and color TV and high definition um, TV, and so you know when when I first actually got involved, it was at a point where they had you know. Really, a, a, an A1, you know, highly produced TV product. Um, you know, the the quality of the images coming out like it's a it, it's a a, a a travel newspaper kind of you yeah. know uh, picture show of the country of France in high definition in your lounge room. Mm. It's it, you know, amazing scenery. You watch the Tour de France, and people go, "Oh, I want to go to, to, go to I go to France." Mm. Um, yeah, so so it's you know they, they had that great product, but but they knew that the audience is is shifting. So mm. so we all know, and you know, if I put myself back when we were kicking some of this stuff off in 2015, you know, I was sort of going, "Okay, people are starting to move from watching traditional television to using streaming." 
mm. you know, if I sit there today, I go, does anybody watch traditional TV anymore? I, I know my mum does in her 70s, um, but, but, but that, that audience demographic has just, just grown, grown older and older and older. Yep. Um, and the younger audience demographic have completely changed their behaviours. And so, yes, there's streaming, but even then they don't tend to watch long-form content no, in a lot of cases. The attention so, spans aren't even there anymore. Exactly. And so you've actually just got to package your, package your product and package your content up in completely uh, completely different ways that's, that then suits you know, the, the new channels, you know, whether that's you know, social media and, and you know, every year you're re-evaluating which social media platforms are going to be the most, um, the most relevant or mm. most, most impactful because the audience continues to shift at a very, uh, very rapid rate. Um, but also through um, you know, your digital platforms so that when, you know, the experience that we, you know, the hardcore fans are really after is, you know, um, I can watch the, the, the high quality TV broadcast, but I want my second screen app that has all of the additional backstories and the Stats data and, and, yeah. and, you know, and I can see everything that's going on and, and you know, and F F one, you know, really has probably um, led that, um, oh, you, know, certainly, that yeah. the, you know, that trans transition, and then other sports, cycling included, have have really been working on, you know, how do we, how do we do that in the context of, of our world? Mm. But uh, but yeah, you, you're always you're always looking at well, where's the audience moving? Yep. How do we package the product? Uh, how do we do things like you know create gamification um, around? around the event how do we how do we introduce people to the personalities how do we bring in people who were not traditional um, followers of this sport um, because yeah the other dynamic that's happening around you know sports in general is um, you know, traditional sports are again aging with their demographic mm. um, but the world of eSports for example is booming, uh, you know, and and, and is and you know, the way that that world operates is is actually you know completely different to the world of, of traditional sports, and yep. so so you know the traditional sports are not competing with each other, to they're, they're competing with different forms of entertainment, they're competing with with different things that that people are interested in. Yeah. Yep. Um, particularly in the realm of, of things like esports, where we're seeing now like a range of people that wouldn't have otherwise been able to compete in sport like that, that actually yep. opens up this whole audience of people that were not necessarily physical, um, but had a competitive nature. And so now all of a sudden I can compete in a whole different realm. Um, well, well, I think, I think it's interesting because that, that's, that's true. And it also, it also opens up opportunities um, for people who maybe wouldn't be able to get down traditional sports pathways, mm. um, because um, yeah, maybe Do you where, mean by where, access to where, yeah, where, where they were born, yep, um, yeah, what country they happen to to, mm -hmm. to, to live in, um, uh, whether um, you know by their their gender, age, ethnicity, or, or, or what have you that that actually that wasn't sort of the done thing in in their in their community or, or what have you yep. um, you know so you know the the eSports world is kind of opening that um, uh, d does open up that opportunity it, it also I need to also go yeah but it also has a lot of uh, 
lot, lot of challenges as well. It is, oh, it, it, it is, you know, it, it you know, has has a lot of um, you know, behaviour there that, uh, that that also doesn't is not helpful for minorities. But um, but I think that you know there is you know, opportunity in terms of technology democratising access for for people. Um, but as I say that, I also caution myself going. That's true if you've got an internet connection and can afford a computer. Mm. Yeah, so. And it's one of those things too where like it's, it's very hot at the moment to your point because there's a lot of attention there so all the sponsors all just go there like, and then all of a sudden there's a lot of money in it and then it becomes this thing of, well, now how do we reinvest that money to actually grow a platform that is providing all these other avenues that we're talking about? Um, and it's interesting for – I mean I was a video gamer as a kid mm. and parents were like, what are you ever going to do with that? Like it's – Video games, go get a job. Well, now, <laughs> now you can actually have a job doing that. So it's um, it's a different way of thinking. In terms of, of the stuff that goes on in particularly with the tour, mm. um, what is the difference between the work you're doing sort of player side, race side versus then crowd side and, and, and spectator side? How does that, how does that appear? Yeah. So, so I know, yeah, maybe if I sort of go back to where we, where we started and as I said, you know, we, um, we had this – you know the 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 Tour de France you know, had this great broadcast product, but they recognised they were a fair way behind the game in terms of being ready to engage on digital channels. Um, and so one of the thing, you know, one of the first steps that we took was to say, well, um, we actually need good data out of the race to allow us to create content for these these digital products. So you know, at the time. A lot of the information from within the race was was captured via race radios and and manual um, manual um, updates on uh, on uh, TV graphics and, and things like that. So, you know, really where we started was um, using IoT devices on all the bikes to capture real time information about current situation in the race, time gaps between riders, um, you know, who's in what groups, all, all of this kind of information. And again, taking that inspiration, you know, a bit from, from Formula One, where, you know, you were starting to get live telemetry coming from, from mm. all the cars, actually, okay, well, let's get live telemetry from all of the, the riders in the Tour de France. Now, the difference kind of is that... Um, that in an F1 in an F1 car, you've already got a battery, you've already got um, uh, you've already got a whole bunch of electronics going on in there. You're going around a, a race course which has connectivity in place and, and, and all of those kind of good good things. When you go and talk about the Tour de France, you've got these you know super skinny lightweight riders who are riding carbon fiber bikes and they don't want you putting any extra no. weight on their <laughs> yeah. on, on their on their bike and you they're they're riding through rural France and in in the mountains and in the valleys and through horrendous weather conditions and, and what have you and so you know um, you know making technology that will actually work in those situations is, is you know has is a huge is a huge challenge but um but but we started there around you know being able to capture useful data, um, and then using that data started to tell the stories of of the Tour de France. So data driven storytelling. Um, you know, so partly that was you know giving access to fans to to be able to 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 see that data through the website and and, and all that type of stuff. But also we created a um, uh, we you know we started with a Twitter account called at Latour Data. Um, and the idea there was about creating 
you know, little nuggets of content through the race um, based on, on this information. And, you know, so things like, you know, what was the top speed that they did, you know, coming down that, that descent? You know, uh, yeah, they were travelling at 50 kilometres an hour when that massive crash happened. The time gap between the leader and the peloton, you know, um, decreased by a minute and a half over the last 10 kilometres or, you know, yep. whatever it was. Just, just you know, starting to tell those those Putting it into a story that's, that's, yeah, easy for people to understand. That's right. Just these little little nuggets of information that people, you know, as they're watching the race, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's that's that's, that's the sort of stuff that's really easy to tell your friends, you know, over the water cooler or whatever, right? It's yeah. And now I'm an expert. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting, you know, where we started to sort of, you know, understand some of the power of this, and it kind of sounds quite simple. And, and in some ways it is. It's, it's a bit more complicated to actually do it. But, but part of the one of the, the points we sort of learnt the power of this was um, in, in that first year we were doing this in 2015, um, you know, we were just capturing data and, and, and there was, in the early stages, there was a massive, massive crash. You know, probably half the peloton were, were on the road. And, 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 you know, really by chance, you know, because I'm a, a bit of a data nerd, you know, I'm, I sort of went, oh, I wonder what, you know, if I did a graph of speed by time at, at the point of that crash, what, what would that look like? And, you know, you sort of got, you know, 170 straight lines that all just go blah, yeah. you know, and, and explode. And, and you know, the visualisation was essentially just this, you know, straight line and explosion of, of colours. Mm. Very meaningless kind of piece of information from an, a pure analytical sense, but but it actually told a, a really interesting. Uh, it, it it told a story. Yeah. And um and you know uh, one of the team our, our team who was running our marketing you know looked at that and said you know hey Pete just don't don't touch anything and you know literally took a photo of my screen and tweeted that out on Latour Data mm. and, and and that tweet you know really. Made, took that account from you know a, a tiny little following to to a massive following just overnight because you know it it encapsulated right yep. you know this you know this moment that that occurred uh, in the race and that's when we twigged to the fact that actually there's there's, there's interest in this data mm. storytelling um, uh, around the event um, but yeah, and so so really from there we've we just continued to evolve and you know build in things like you know, AI powered predictions. Who's you know who are the stage favourites for today? Will the breakaway get caught? You know what's the effort of riders who are in the breakaway versus the peloton? Um, you, know, or, you know what time do we think the you know can, can we predict what time the the race is going to finish today? How quickly are they going to get to the finish, etc. So you know building in you know all of these different stories. Um, you know, al- along the way, and just continuing to help explain the explain the sport, yep. explain the race. Does any of this information, because it sounds like pretty serious information, particularly when you talk about riders themselves and, and their ability to improve or their ability to get better on understanding the mistakes they're making, is that data then given to them? Is that is, do they then look forward to the same sort of information? Yeah, so so interestingly, the, the the riders and the teams already have, uh, you know, they they have access to a, to a whole bunch of information themselves, and and you know this is one of the things I you know at the time I'd sort of look at and go, well, I could go for a ride, you know, down Beach Road and with my mates, and 
we'd, you know, we'd all have our Garmins and you know, we'd be tracking all the data and we'd pop it up on Strava and I, I'd look at it and go, okay, I've got more information about my mate's Tuesday morning ride down Beach Road than I've got of Chris Froome's ride winning the Tour de France. Um, so the teams have already have all that data, yep. but it just wasn't being made available to the to the fans. Um, mm. And and so really the role that we've been playing is is around how do we make that available um, to the fans in ways that is is interesting and accessible, um, not just to the Uber fans. Yep. Um, because that's that's a small minority, um, but to the uh, to to the to the general. Uh, public and help them to understand yeah, the, the event, the event-based yeah. experts, and that's what I mean. That's another thing that's really good with sport in Australia, particularly. Um, we have a big sporting event, and everyone's an expert on that event for yep. that month. It happens Com Games, it happens Olympics, yep. it happens World Cup. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, as soon as there's something big, everyone wants those chunks of info because that's the stuff. Where at least if I don't know a lot, I can make people think I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the point that you made before about we're out in, in regional France, yep. um, 5G coverage, network management, shoveling all this data backwards and forwards. Um, what are some of the challenges and how are you overcoming some of that stuff? Yeah, so, so and ultimately, you know, with the, with the data coming from the riders, you know, the big challenge was that all the interesting stuff that happens in a race, in, in a race like the Tour de France, is usually in places, the, the most remote places you know up the final mountain climb um up mount tourmalet or something like that and there is no mobile coverage up there mm. okay so so you've got no existing existing networks so the um the solution that's been developed is, um, uses um the tv broadcast network so the way the way that the tv broadcast works is that um they've got tv cameras on on motorbikes following the race and on a helicopter and, and essentially, there's a, they use a, a, an RF transmission from those cameras to a fixed-wing aircraft that's kind of like an AWACS plane, just circling up above the race. Right. And then that gets relayed back to the race finish line, which is where the, you know, what, what's called the zone technique, that's, that's the broadcast area, so all the broadcast and technology services, power, et cetera, is all managed in the, in the zone technique near the finish. And so, so TV already had this method of getting broadcast signal back to the race to the race finish and so the solution for uh, capturing the rider information was basically these gps devices that could then hook in to gateways on those tv motorbikes and the helicopter and follow and basically be multiplexed in with the tv and, and sound you know that, that's that's already um, that's already being transmitted. So you're leveraging that existing uh, mm. existing network, which is a highly reliable network. It's not cheap to run when you've got an airplane flying around. I imagine you know. it would be. <laughs> um, but, um, but 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 it works really well. Yeah. Um, and so so these little um these little devices, and I should have brought one in with me. But um but you know they weigh about seventy grams. Um, but it's basically a battery, a GPS. Um, uh, a, a, a GPS tracker and and a radio, um, and you know we can get well. Officially, they should they, they transmit about a kilometre, but but in good conditions, you'll get up to ten k's. You know, and, and as long as they can get to one of those gateways, 
on on one of those vehicles, then and say that that um, that that reports back. Uh, and so so it's you know over the years we've gone from in that first in that first year, you know we'd get you know what we call sixty percent um, coverage, you know which would be you know of every rider every second of of the Tour de France we would have you know sixty percent coverage. Okay, mm. so that was okay, but not great. But you know, with as as we've continued to evolve, then we're now at a point where we get 98, 99% coverage, every rider, every second of the Tour de France. Now that you know, in the in the environments that we're working in, that's yeah. uh, that's that's pretty amazing. Does that need to be real time, or or does the device have you know a cache? And if it drops, it's going to record data and then pump it out when it finds signal. Yeah. So the ones we use with the Tour de France don't cache. They just, you know, it's it is all pure real time. And yep. and the reason real time is is super important for us is that we use it on TV broadcast. Yep. And 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 so so it needs to be real time and it needs to be you know, incredibly low latency because mm. if you're showing speed on TV. And you know they're coming down a, a hill at 100 kilometres an hour, and then there's a hairpin bend. You know the speed changes from 100 kilometres an hour to 20 kilometres an hour very, very quickly, mm. and then they reaccelerate. And if if if, if they're showing us 100 kilometres an hour while they're going around the bend, and then yeah, then they start accelerating, and then the speed drops to 20 kilometres an hour. Well, everyone yeah, watching at home is going, yeah. yeah, what's what's going on here? Mm. Um, so so yeah, you you really. Have a very low latency um, that you, you that you're targeting around um, around all of that data, and you you are focused on the on the real time aspect, and you quite frankly also you're minimising the weight of the device and not putting anything in there that you don't need to have. You know, in other scenarios, it does make sense to have a, a device that has a store and forward capability, yep. and so yeah, you know, that's where, for example, you know, um, you know, we we now you know we track all the riders, but we also track all of the race vehicles, um, which is more for, from a race operations perspective, and then you know for that, you know we we don't use the the broadcast network. We do use four G and five G networks, and then we use some smart interpolation in the back end to sort of fill in the gaps. Um, you know we know you know we've we, we've got algorithms that'll help us to figure out you know how fast they're likely to be traveling we know that they're traveling with the riders we, you know there's there's a bunch of information that we know and so we can actually just use smart algorithms you know where there's a gap in the data to to fill that data because um, that data is not as critical to the real-time experience yeah. Cor- correct exactly yeah. you know yeah. you, you, it's not it's not something that the fans you know sitting at home seeing mm. um, and 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 so yeah you, you've got to look at those different data sources and say well what What's what's most important? What um, uh, you know? Uh, what needs to be real time? Real time, real time. Um, what needs to um, uh, you know? What what sort of gaps can you get away with? Um, you know, and and who's using it? And w- what's the what's the outcome that they're trying to drive? Mm. Um, the devices on the bikes. So obviously, you know, no rider wants to have any additional weight. Is there? Is there like a standard that goes in there that everyone on the ride has to have the same allowance? Like, what's the situation? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, every rider has has one on their bike. Um, so, again, when we went back to twenty fifteen, you know, there was a lot of really well, you're not putting that on my bike, and you know, there was a lot a lot of challenges just getting the teams on board with with getting uh, you know putting devices on their bikes and, and all that kind of stuff. But but over the years, you know, that's that attitude has really changed. Um, and there's a couple of things that have happened there. One is that the 
the the regulations from the UCI, who are the governing body, have said you, know, you can include the the weight of the tracker in the weight of your bike because the bikes have to meet a, a minimum weight requirement right. and stuff like that. So yep. so it sort of mitigates some of that that issue, but also you know there's a, there's more and more an understanding that creating great experiences for fans is actually part of the job. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. You know, as, as an athlete, part of your job's you know, trying to win Sell races. Tickets. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but, but you're an entertainer as well. Yeah. Um, and, and so this is actually part of promoting the sport. And, and you know, the more that the sport grows, and, and um, then you know, as an athlete in that sport, you, you benefit from that. You know, or, or as a team in that sport, you're, you're part of that ecosystem. So, mm. so yeah, the, the mentality has 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 changed over time and it's just now just become normal yeah yeah, yeah. um the digital twin thing this is massive in your world and yep. it's one of the things that becomes a bit more relevant in our space um ours is a little bit different because as a conversation that we've had previously our looking at, at digital twins really exists in facility mm. um and the nature of so much digitization in in call it a high-rise corporate at the moment um and I can't offline and online systems without interrupting workflow. So I build a digital twin that represents every operating system in the building and, and off we go. Um, and that's fast becoming a standard now. Yep. What does that look like in your space and, and where does the digital twin fit in uh, in what you're doing? Yeah, so so I, I guess, you know, the, the term digital twin you can sort of apply in a bunch of, of, of different ways. Mm. Um, and we've talked about the fact that, you know, we're – We've built the digital twin of the Tour de France, and you know, in, you, you could you could say that you know what we've done with the riders is building digital twins of 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 riders and, and, and bringing through that that real time information. Um, but but really, that you know the intent in creating the digital twin of the Tour de France is is really around operational management. So you have this big complex event that shifts every single day, and you've kind of got a plan for how things are going to happen. But the one thing that you can guarantee about a big complex event like the Tour de France, you know, when when you're in these remote areas, is stuff's going to happen that you don't know about. Mm. Okay, and you can also you know, guarantee it's never going to be set up quite the way you planned, and, and and all of those types of things. So, so the idea of creating the the digital twin of the the Tour de France is was really about having the flexibility to um, be able to see an as built view of of the event yep. um, have real-time information about what's what's happening so you know some some basic things like where are all of the official race vehicles um, you know you know many of them are, are traveling along the race route you know whereabouts is the publicity caravan um, what time should we expect the publicity caravan to come through the finish um, in the in the finish village um, you know what are the locations of all the key assets, the VIP areas? So these are these are trucks that sort of fold out a bit like transformers, mm. you know, to to create these these um, VIP spaces, usually multi-story, you know, and you know, whereabouts are they physically located? I, I know we planned for them to be here, here, and here, but you know, because there were roadworks there, or that that uh, yeah. you know, actually there'd been a lot of rain this week, and where we were going to park it, you know, that's that's a muddy um, paddock. You know, we've had to move it to here, and so, so the the idea around um, the event digital twin for the Tour de France is is you know basically to provide a single view of 
all the different things that are going on across the race. And a lot of that information probably historically was, you know, just radios, WhatsApp messages, um, yeah. you know, SMS, etc. We'll be there in fifteen minutes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And 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 so that 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 works, but it, it doesn't allow the level of coordination that you really want when you're running, you know, um, such a, a high profile um, uh, event. Because logistically, it must be a nightmare, right? Like, like you say, you're you're invading small towns for days on ends with fleets of people. Yeah, yeah. I, I I always say the the, the ASO, the Armory Sports Organisation, they they own and operate the the Tour de France. That they are logistics geniuses. Like, mm. you know, and this this is a travelling city that, yeah. that moves every single day. Uh, you know, it, it, it is quite quite amazing. Like, uh, you know, sort of look at the Formula One and you. Look at Albert Park, and three months before they're you know setting up and and what have you. The Tour de France, the trucks roll in you know at two a.m. You know they they kind of park up and then you know six a.m. as soon as the sun starts coming up, you know setup begins mm. and and you know and and so you know the the whole thing's built in a couple of hours. The race happens for five six hours, and then the minute that the race is finished, it all starts packing up. And within two hours, there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, and the trucks are on the road to travel 300 kilometres to the next um, the, the next stage. You know, so it, it it really is this very dynamic environment, and so so that's why you know technology can really play a important role in you know what is actually happening at this point in time. Yeah. Um, and and because you've got so many different teams, whether that's the the medical team or the security team or the um, the, the race directors or um, the, the, the publicities um, and marketing teams or the people who are running the VIP areas, et cetera. Mm. You know, they're all working in their own little worlds. But if we can bring all that information together and put that um, in, you know, in one place, then the VIP teams can actually see, oh, the publicity caravan's on its way, da, da, da. Um, the, the security teams can see, oh, this is where the race uh, is currently tracking. Um, if they've got you know road closures that need to happen, or there are particular um, you know VIP visitors, you know we have the French president usually turns up every year, and you know th- those types of things happen. Then again, everybody's got visibility, like a universal so- source of truth, right? Th- that's yeah. right. And yeah. so, so you you kind of really you, you know really start there um, in terms of just having that situational awareness of everything that's going on and there's yeah there is that single source of source of truth instead of you know out of date radio messages or whatsapp messages or um you know word of mouth that you know this is what's happening that that certain select people know but nobody else knows yep has anything ever gone horribly wrong lots yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the, the the reality I, you know when, it's because for me it's scary right like it the, the i i have you know anxiety management issues just on a day-to-day. Whenever it can be something as simple as this podcast and my mind consistently going, are we recording, are we recording, are we recording? Like the anxiety that must come with there is so much data that's funneling in from everywhere here and and how we checking that it's all right, how we yep. lining it up, how, you know, what's the curation look like? Well, I, yeah, so so let me – maybe I'll t- tell you a couple of, couple of stories. Give the horror stories. I'll tell yeah, you, tell you sure. a couple of horror <laughs> stories and then I'll tell you a bit about how we, how we actually uh, – how we try and avoid those. Yeah. But, but, you know, you're, you're right about the anxiety and probably over the years the anxiety, you know, reduces because, because you know, we've become more mature in, in what we're doing. But, you know, when we started this, nobody had ever done this before. Mm. Like 
Never. So, so we were making this up as as we went along, um, and yeah, you know, when, when we. I'm sure you didn't tell them that though. Oh, I, 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 no, 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 because, because I, you know, the ASO who, who, you know, they knew nobody. They, no, they're, 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 they're the experts course. in the sport. They yeah. know nobody's done this before. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and and you know, probably the bigger challenge were were my bosses who are going, "Is this going to work, Pete? Is this going to work?" And you go, "Yep, yep, it'll work. It'll be right." <laughs> um, but um, but I tell you, the you know, day day one. Of, of the first tour that we did, you know, the, it was a uh, it was a time trial, and you know the first rider rolls off the the ramp. So a time trial means that that you know riders go off one by one and they get timed over a certain course, and uh, so the first rider rolls off, and you're going okay, data should be coming now, should be coming. Now. <laughs> <laughs> no data, and, and and you've got all the bosses who are all excited Where's about this, look, look, looking over <laughs> your shoulder, you know, and, and uh, yeah, no no data, mm. and um, it, it ended up turning out that um, a, a, ch- a late change had been made to the um, the firmware in the trackers, um, and uh, and someone had got a bit confused about time zones, and the trackers are, 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 are pre-programmed to switch on and off. Um, based on the, the the race time, because you've got to conserve battery. Of course, it's in a different uh, region. You know, and 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 somebody made a, a, a made a mistake with the time zone, so so they were just off. Yep. Yeah, they were rolling down the ramp, but but trackers no were data. off. <laughs> and, and 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 guess what? When the when, when when it's out there in the race, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. it it's it's gone. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I think on that day. The, uh, the 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 team on the ground raced around, you know, grabbed. I think, I think we managed to update firmware on like the last ten riders and start to get some some data. But yeah. um, but yeah, I yeah, it, we, yeah, we can talk about anxiety. Yeah, you know, when you've sat there saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to be able to do this, we're going to be able to do this, and then nothing comes. At least through. at least if like the first five are okay, and then there's a problem when it's yeah. number one, it's like damn it. <laughs> yeah, and and you're checking everything. Okay. So you know, this is on. This is working. This is working. This well, well, yeah. So, mm. so yeah. But, but yeah. Look, over over the years, we've had all sorts of all sorts of things go wrong, and they can be as simple as you know, in in the zone technique, like it is a sea of trucks and cables. Like, so somebody kicked your cable over, kicked your cable out, or uh, or, or broke your cable, or um, you know, what have you. There's, you know, high tech issues and and, and and low tech issues that that happen. Mm. But as a result, um, you know, I'm, we've got, uh, you know, we, we've we've built a lot of, you know, monitoring and observability into everything that we do. So, so the way we operate now is we've got a, a team on the ground who are sort of looking after the the day to day logistics, you know, working talking with with the broadcast teams, you know, who who are also there on the ground and doing all that sort of liaison and communication, mm-hmm. and then we've got teams who are working off site. Um, who are providing really a lot of the core system support, and and you know, and then they have monitoring um, dashboards and tools that basically give them visibility all the way through the the pipeline of all the different types of sensors of all the different platforms that we're running, and you know, it's quite a broad array of technology now that we're we're deploying because we keep on adding more stuff every every year, and so you know they can then see pretty quickly if if things are are looking okay, or whether there's a whether there's an issue, and and that then allows us to drill down fairly quickly into okay, we've got a problem here. 
Yep. Um, and and let's let's get that sorted. Given the amount of emphasis on data, encapsulating data, and 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 translating data, there must be a massive R and D element to what it is that you're doing and, and how are you internally deciding when it's time to move to a new platform or a new technology or stick with what's known and trusted um how do you manage that, that decision making yeah uh, um you know with um with with what we've done with um with the tours is you know we've built out a multi-year roadmap so when we when we started in 2015 we had sort of had we worked on a vision together with with the aso for you know what we were trying to build out, uh, and and we knew, and they knew, you couldn't do that all in in one year. Mm. You know, so so it's kind of like okay, first year, and and you know, um, I think you know they had um, much lower expectations than we did. I think Pascal, who is the CIO for for, for ASO, he said to me, you know, you know, success would be that we get live speed on TV for thirty seconds sometime during the Tour de France. Okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. My boss's expectation was that we had live data from every single rider for every second of the Tour de France. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so you sort of manage, you know, um, but, and we landed somewhere in between. Um, but, um, but we had, had the vision of, of, of saying, you know, we want to get data because we want to build digital products and, you know, then we'll be able to do things like machine learning and AI and we'll be able to, you know, you know Create maybe new immersive experiences, etc. And so, so we we built out that that high level roadmap for what we were what we were trying to achieve. You know, next you know first two years we had a reasonable idea of what was achievable, what's not. Beyond that, it's kind of in the world of fiction. Mm. Um, but at least you've got a bit of a view of the directions that you're, you're heading. But then each year we sit down after uh, after the season um, because. We don't just do the Tour de France. We actually do a whole bunch of races that, that ASO operate throughout the season. We sit down at the end of the season. We evaluate what worked, what didn't, where are our priorities for the, for the following year. Let's look at that roadmap. We go, actually, that's not so important anymore, but this is. We need, we're going to bring this forward and we're going to push that back and, and we, we, we restructure um, we restructure that um, that roadmap. So so that's a really critical piece in terms of you know where are we heading in terms of the products and the objectives, and, and usually that's that's led by some some high level themes around fan experience, around operational efficiency, etc. So we've got we've we've got that, but then um, you know from a technology, you you, you you from a technology perspective, or you, you end up with you know information coming at you from a range of different places. So you've got you know, technology changes. You know, so these database technologies are, are, are becoming old-fashioned and they're being replaced by these database technologies mm. and so you know potentially we need to, to to look at upgrading you know some of some of our, our our technology choices we've got um you know things that we're seeing happen in other sports that um we say actually you know fans are going to expect they're seeing yeah. it these sports so therefore they're going to expect that at the tour de france we're, we're able to provide this service or this capability and then you'll have other things where in other industries Seeing uh, you know technology trends or innovation that um, that could could play into the in, into the space, and so so we've had another number of ways of just bringing in uh, you know um, bringing in new innovative um, ideas. You know some of those 
you know, coming from the experts like like ASO and, and their digital team saying, you know, we need to do this or we, we think this is a good idea. Mm. But others coming from the non-experts, you know, doing things like running, um, you know, we, we ran a couple of hackathon um, uh, activities, you know, within, within uh, NTT mm-hmm. and, you know, targeted at people who weren't necessarily fans of yeah. the Tour de France and, 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 not necessarily so focused on the technical build pieces, but but the ideas, um, and you know, out of those types of ex- exercises, you know, start to get some really good um, insights from people who are not so close to it. Yeah, that that you know, yeah, they what come matters from, to them? They but, come from a bit left field, and, yeah. and 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 you know, some of those ideas have have then um, you know have then you know filtered in, and, and typically the pathway for. For, for new ideas or new concepts or new products that we, we might want to develop is that, you know, they start as a science experiment. Yeah. You know, so every year we'll, we'll have things that are running, you know, in production. We'll have things that are, you know, running in uh, as sort of pilots and we'll have, you know, real science experiments, mm. you know, there's wires and bits soldered on or there's, uh, you know, um, you know, Something that's just running on that laptop in the corner, or or, or what have you. Yeah. Um, that you know we're just experimenting. To, you know, can we make this work? Um, and 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 you know if if that does work, then maybe we might move it to a pilot. Yeah. You know, the following year with a with a limited release. And if that works, then maybe it's ready for for prime time. And so there's always this pipeline of ideas and concepts. And again, major technology change. You know, when we did a. We did a complete replatforming, um, you know, uh, a, a few years back, be- because, you know, the, un- you know, the technology world had moved so much that actually there were better products for us to be able to build our core platforms yeah. on. And, and again, you know, you build up the the uh, the new platform in parallel with the, with the old one. You know, parallel run for one year, um, validate that it actually works and. Does everything that you're expecting it to before, you know, um, before moving across, and and you know, just making sure you've got those checks and balances mm. um, in place. <clears throat> with the <clears throat> excuse me, with the approach of the fan side experience, mm. obviously everyone's trying to come up with something that is an augmented experience or a virtual experience that makes you part of the the experience that's happening. Is that is there room for that in the tour? Is that something that, that's that's coming? Is that something that people are working on? Yeah, yeah. So, so a- absolutely, it's just a matter of finding where that really ha- is sticky. Mm-hmm. So, a good example, and you know, we we, um, we built a, a a really cool augmented reality um, application um, where you could, um, you know, we're sitting here at a table, you know, using my my phone or my iPad, you know, I could project onto the onto the table through augmented reality, you know, through the through the the viewfinder essentially of my phone or my, my iPad, you know, the the day's stage in 3D with all the live positioning data from from all of the riders and and you know I can select riders and things would pop up and and yeah. have the, the weather coming across you know really cool experience um, and you know and and everybody who looked at that you know, went this is this is awesome love it amazing mm. um, but the challenge is really around. You know, how does that become sticky and and you know 
you're probably not going to sit there with your phone in front of you for five hours watching the Tour de France that way. Yeah, it, it's it's a cool experience, and and you know, it, it you might jump on the Paladin at home and put on like a VR set and and ride the race with the guys. Like that that, that that's yeah that that's right. And so mm-hmm. you know, there's certainly those types of those types of opportunities. And so, but but I think it's it, it is really about just figuring out where do these things add. Value to the experience, and there's a bit of a balancing act between um, uh, where is a digital experience, where does it, where does digital enhance the experience versus the human experience? Yeah, yeah because 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 the, the the flip side, you know, with with the Tour de France is what makes the Tour de France so awesome. It, it's it's the natural beauty. It's the fans who are by the road road so ride roadside going yep. going crazy, mm. um, who who are you know dressed up, bring every you know their, their their country flags, who are cheering on the riders, etc. That that's that's a human experience, um, and and that that's what makes it makes it awesome. And so when you think about the digital experiences you create, well, how does that augment the human experience? Yeah. and not get in the way of or sterilise it is the other risk too. Yeah, it, it exactly. makes it cheap. Um, I'm I'm not into cycling, but I'm a massive motorbike fan. And yep. so the tourist trophy for me is very similar. It's that thing of you go to the TT, it's because, you know, you want to be there experiencing it. And watching the TT on TV is nothing like being at the TT because now you're, these guys are riding on like, you know, and moving their head past bluestone walls and things of that yep. nature. So, yeah, you're right. Um, you've got to be careful not to not to wash away what the experience is about. But but I think I think there is absolutely a role, and you know, one of the interesting you know um, opportunities around sort of immersive experiences is you know as you describe, you know, what would it be like to be a cyclist coming down um, you know one of those Alps at the speeds that they they go down, feeling um, feeling the vibrations, feeling the hearing the sounds, the wind blowing past you know, your face, yeah, you know, all, all all that kind of stuff. Mm. You, know, um, you know, what would that, you know, what would that feel like? You know, that's, that's translated really well to the racing car experience, and and now you see even people at home who have got you know, twenty thousand dollars sims, yep, and they're racing on the same platform that these F one GP guys are training on on the weekend. Like, there's prize money to be won. It's yep. it's a full thing. Yeah, and look, the same thing's happening in the cycling world. And there's a platform called Zwift, um, which um, which you know, we've done a bunch of work with over the years, and and you know that is a online gaming environment where you know I set up my home trainer, which is a smart trainer, and my experience in in riding my my smart trainer is governed by the game, mm. um, and yeah, yeah, more and more. I can get fans that will um, that, that that will connect in based on the speed that I'm traveling. The the, the, the fan will give me that experience, or there's there there are trainers that based on the terrain will actually vibrate and yeah. uh, you know give me that sort of feeling. And 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 yeah, I can I can race against anyone you know in the world. Um, and and you know that that platform is now also being used by the pro teams, not just for training, absolutely for training, but. Yeah. But also um, for talent identification. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what they're what they're doing is is you know, there's there's a, 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 an actual competition called you know Zwift Academy, yep. where young riders from around the world all compete for basically a slot on one of the pro teams. And uh, and yeah, you know, we're now starting to see riders who've come through that pathway, who are you know now operating at the highest level in the uh, professional peloton um and 
they probably would never have had that opportunity, yeah. you know, if they hadn't have come through that. Um, Same thing know. in F1. Um, PlayStation did it when the PS3 was out. There's a movie out now called yeah. Gran Turismo and that's exactly what it's about, this guy that got into, you know, racing through the PS Academy. Well, yeah, and, and it's interesting. I'm, we also work with, uh, um, well, NTT works with, with, with IndyCar ah. um, and, you know, talking um, – uh, with uh, a lady named SJ who was running their marketing. And she was saying, you know, the younger generation coming to IndyCar is more and more coming via gaming. So they're playing the games and then getting interested in the sport. Yeah. So instead of being interested in the sport and therefore playing the game, they're playing the game and then getting interested in the sport. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of flipped the um, flipped story. Hales, but I don't know if you remember... Uh, um an 80s movie called The Last Starfighter. I do remember yeah. that. Yeah, exactly I'm, I'm that. old enough to remember <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> and he beats the game and then someone comes from space and goes, oh, now you've got to join the uh, the Empire to beat these guys. So I think I tried to show it to my kids and they went, the graphics are so crap. I'm not makes, watching this. So it makes it great. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes it great. But, yeah, it's amazing how that's happened now and and that is a, it's a genuine Thing. It was fantasy, you know, 30-odd years ago and now it's, it's the way things are going. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Given... You can't just be this attached to the Tour de France and, and this sort of stuff unless you're a passionate cyclist. So you are a passionate cyclist. you got a lot of bikes hanging up in the background when we, when we caught up online. I, I, I do. I do. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, the reason I, got in, I ended up in this gig um, was, um, you know, that um, Dimension Data at the time, which is the company that I was, I was working for, um, you know, we're having these having some very initial conversations with with the Tour of France and you know I'd um, I was running the uh, data and analytics business here in uh, in Victoria and um, and passionate cyclist and you know enjoyed riding my bike and you know I've spent years and years sitting on the couch at 1am watching the Tour de France and you know going to the Tour de France was on my bucket list and you know all that kind of stuff and so um, you know it, it just happened that you know through the the organisational back channels, you know, they were looking for somebody to, you know, who could maybe help with uh, with with this this project, and you know, just managed to be in the right place at the right time, and uh, and and you know, literally this was, you know, you know heading to um, heading heading on holidays with the kids and got camper trailer on the back of the car and all that kind of stuff, and uh, and you're getting a call from your your boss, sort of saying, hey, Pete, you know. What do you think about this? And, uh, <laughs> Holidays off, <laughs> and, and, and you know, and and then you know, shortly after, we're on a call with um, with, with the global chairman of, of Dimension Data, and Dimension Data is a big, huge, huge company. Like it was, we it was, know Die Data pretty well. Yeah, yeah, it was forty thousand people around the world at some at, at, at that stage, and and then part of NTT, which is you know two hundred fifty thousand people around the world. Mm. So, so big organisation. So you, then you're on the phone to the global chairman. Who's quizzing you about stuff? And he goes, "Okay, you seem to know what you're talking about. Um, we've got a meeting on, in in London on Monday. Um, can you be there?" And you kind of like, <laughs> "Okay, yeah, yep. um, yes, yeah." You, you don't say you don't say no. And then you know, sort of by the end of that meeting, it's it was almost assumed that I was just going to that I would run it. Yeah. Um, and um, and and so just one of those really, you know, you, you kind of pinch yourself. So I was going to ask: is, it, is is that a is that like a cathartic moment where you're like, 
here I am and, and the two things that I'm the most passionate about, you know, data and cycling, and this is the, the pinnacle of both, right? Yeah, I, yeah you, you kind of go, couldn't, you can't believe your, your luck when, you, when you're getting to, to, yeah, to take your profession and, and, and your hobby and, and, and bring those together. I mean, that's, you know, not many people get that, get that opportunity. Mm. And, and then at that point you're going, okay, I, I better not screw this up. Um, and you know, and, but you know, and it, it's interesting. I I get, you know, I, I've had the opportunity over the over the years to you know uh, talk to a lot of um, a lot of younger people around you know you know developing their careers and and, and all of those types of types mm. of things. And and I always say that you know because people you know ask me, oh, how did how did you get how did you get that job? You know, well, kind of I was in the right place in the right time. It was a bit of luck. Mm. Um, you know, and they go, well, that's not really, that doesn't give me an answer that tells me, oh, I should do X, Y, and Z. But it's um, sort of one of the but, most important things in anything that goes on. But, 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 but it is, yeah, it is also, it, it's also, it is the reality, but, but it is also about putting yourself in situations where, um, you, you do get asked for those opportunities. Mm. So, so, you know, I'm, you know, it, it is, um, you know, and and then being ready to say you know to give it a crack yeah um you know so so um you know yeah really you know looking at how you can continue to develop and grow as a person develop and grow within your within your career Mm. you know look at the things that you are interested and passionate about and 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 you know how can you um you know, so putting cycling aside, just you know, from a data and analytics perspective, I mean, that's a much more employable um, skill set. But but you know, continuing to to grow your knowledge, continuing to to build great relationships with people, um, you know, build trust and respect, all all those those yeah. really basic kind of kind of things about you know, you know, building building good relationships, you know, being somebody that people trust to. Um, and, to, and I, to ask to do things. Yeah, and a lot of that, I mean, it's really easy when you're doing what you love, right, because it's not a chore. And I think, you know, to speak to that from aspects of my career, I've had jobs that I've loved um, and jobs that I haven't loved so much. At this point in time, I'm in the place that is probably the best that I've... And, and the way that your ability to deliver on all the things that you were just mentioning almost becomes second nature because I'm in love with it. Yep. It's really easy. Yeah. Um, the... I guess, and, and for any sort of advice or opinion, the, the biggest thing that my mind can't comprehend these days is just how much opportunity there is for the next generation of kids, you know, having kids yourself. Um, are, you, are you guiding, are you advising, are you steering in the same sort of fashion as to the most important thing is what you love or, or does, it, does there need to be a degree of sensibility there in you've got to play it safe too? Like how, how do you... How do yeah. you encourage that? Yeah, uh, look, I, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a right answer, yeah, you know, because everybody's everybody's different, you know, everybody's tolerance for risk is is different, you know. You chatted about anxiety earlier, you know, and you know some some people you know thrive on uncertainty and and change and you know the next new thing, you know, other people you know really you know that that's just that's too stressful. it's horrifying that's exactly yep. you know and, and 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 so so actually i think it's a bit about knowing knowing yourself and what's going to make you 
what's going to make you happy. And so there's not there's not a right there's not a right answer. Um, you know, so I, you know, I've been going through this myself recently. I'm, we've just launched a new business, uh, so we've taken the stuff that we've been doing with the Tour de France, and we've we've launched a new business, and and you know, so I'm now a founder and a CEO of this you know tiny little business. Mm. And I've gone from working in a 250,000 organization mm. and, and and so that's that's a bit of a scary that's a bit of a scary step um, but you know I've done the I've done the thinking about well what is going to work for for me because you know I know that I'm probably sit a little bit in that middle I, I you know I'm I'm not a a, a real huge risk taker mm. so I'm probably not the person who's going to sell the house and you know, invest everything in this radical new idea. Mm. Okay, and it's pro- you know I've got three kids in school and yeah, that's my, right. It's you not know, just it, your it, risk, right? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. You know, it's, it's it, you know, that, so 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 I'm not in a position to, to to do that, and it's not my personality. Um, for somebody else, that might be their personality, mm. but but I'm also not the person who's going to go. Oh, I, I, you know, I've got you know. I'm, about to turn fifty, I've got fifteen years left, you know, till I'm sixty-five. And I'm going to retire at sixty-five, and, uh, and and I can tick over the next ten years uh, happily in a corporate job. Yeah. I'd go insane. Yep. Yeah. And, and so, so you know, it's a bit about knowing, you know, learning for yourself about what are the things that that are going to give you satisfaction and enjoyment and challenge um, along the way, and and what's the right amount of challenge for you, mm. and sometimes. There are going to be external things that that actually you, know, you can't control. So so you know you've got family responsibilities, or you need to care for a loved one yep. at a particular point in time in your life. And there are different times in you know, periods in your life um, where you know you need to make different decisions that are not also just about you. I imagine like going on the tour and things like that takes you away from home for a while. Is yep. is that you know something that that you got to be conscious of and and sort of how long are you away on average for a year and, and what impact would you miss out on and how do you how do you come to terms with all that? Yeah. Well it's probably not it's not me who has to come to terms with that. It's, it's my, my, my wife my yeah. wife Serena is uh, who, who who you know I, I I'm I'm so fortunate with how how supportive uh, that that she is. Mm. Um but um but but you're right. I you know this year, you know, I fly out on Tuesday, I'll be gone for five weeks. Yeah, you know, that's that's a big chunk of time. Uh, Particularly in a child's mind, right? Like it's yeah. if they don't see you for that long. Mm. That, look, that's that that's right. Um, and so, so you know that that definitely, um, uh, yeah, that 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 is that is not easy. It's 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 kind of easy for me because mm. I'm in the thick of it. You know, yeah, you'd be on autopilot you, just you know, get it done. And, yeah, yeah, and that's right. So so you just fall in, you, know, you fall into the rhythm of the tour, and it's hard and it's tiring and, and all that kind of stuff. But but you know what you you know what you're in for. Mm. Um, but but no, it is more challenging, um, you know, you know, um, you know, on the family front. Obviously, you know, leaving um, leaving Serena to run the run the family for mm. uh, for five weeks on on her own and, and go slightly insane um, through through the process. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, that's you know, that quite frankly is unfair. Um, and so you know, um, I don't have a great answer. F- um, I don't mm. have a great answer for that. But a well, round of applause for Serena. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Takes care of it all while you're away. <laughs> Good job, Serena. <laughs> That's right. Now, mm. fortunately, fortunately, our kids are getting that little bit older, so it starts to get 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 a bit easier. But. Um, but no, that you know, that's 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 obviously a, a, a massive sacrifice, um, ma- massive massive toll. But mm. yeah, and, um, and that you know, she she allows me to do that because she knows, you know, 
how much it, it means to me to be part of that and, and you know, uh, so that's, you know. That's um, a cool thing. Yeah. yeah such yeah. a cool thing. So you say you're off on Tuesday. When does the tour start? So the tour starts um, Saturday week. So so we so I fly out Tuesday. I'll arrive into uh, this year. It'll be the start is Bilbao in Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, we arrive into Bilbao on on Wednesday. Uh, Thursday, basically all of the the, the trucks arrive, um, and we do a whole bunch. Basically, Thursday is set up. Friday is testing. Saturday is the race. Uh, so it's it it, it you know it, that's it's, frantic. It, it, it's <laughs> it, it, it's chaos. Um, you know, and we've. Yeah, you know, there's it. It's it's probably not as bad as it sounds in the sense that we, you know, every year before the tour, there's another race called the Criterion de Dauphiné, yeah. um, and that's that's basically a test event. Um, so everything that's going to run at the tour, we do at the Dauphiné, which was was just a couple of weeks ago at the start of um, the start of June, and so um, you know, we all the trucks or, or, or you know all our, our our trucks and equipment were there, and you know we got it all. Up and running, you know, across the course of a week. It's, you know, they're proven, tested. So when we turn up to the tour, it should be just it's connect, just checks and connect everything yeah. up, and, cool. uh, and and it should all just um, should should all just work. You know, there's a few pieces that that you know will be will be coming in new and coming in late. You know, always happens, but um, but yeah, m- more often than not, it should should yeah. Um, but uh, but but yeah, no. It's it, the first few days. You know, you know, the 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 Tour de France is a is a three week race, and then we've got a, a, an additional week for the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift, um, and uh, you know, you, the the first week is just manic, you know, and there's stuff going wrong everywhere, you know, TV broadcast, whatever. Yeah, you know, it's just the nature of it, and then you know, by the second week, it's all kind of kind of settled down, and everybody's into a rhythm but crazy tired and yeah. then, then the third week everyone's just okay we're getting to the end we're getting to the end and uh yeah. do you get any time just to soak it up do you do you take a day or two and just go nothing today just be in france um not quite that luxurious no. um, um because you know there are rest days in the uh, in the tour de france but generally they are um they're often travel days because they, they often there's often large transfers that need to happen on that day so some of our worst Rest days have involved seven hundred k's of driving, you know, mm. that, yeah, that, <laughs> and then get to the other end and do your washing. Yeah, you know, that, you know that's that's your rest day. Um, yeah. But um, but but no, I'm, what we do what we do do is you know as a team, you know, um, you know, all of us have have sort of you know some sort of outdoor activity that we we enjoy. So so a few of us are, are cyclists, so we we bring our bikes, put mm. a bike rack on the back of our van, and and we take our bikes around with us, and you know, each morning try and get out for a, get out for a ride, get some fresh air, get some exercise. We've got a couple of runners who go out and, and, and run in the mornings, or walkers who who, who go and walk. Um, but you know, so doing things like that actually is is, I reckon, really important for your for your sanity. Definitely. Um, because um, yeah, because otherwise, it is very easy to um, just be going from hotel to truck to minivan to you know and, and you can you can miss a lot of um a lot of the experience mm. in the process i you know i know i outside of the tour i do a lot of business travel and i always say look you know if you if you travel for business pretty much any major city in the world looks exactly the same if you go from airport 
to a taxi, to a hotel, to an office, to a hotel, to an airport, yep. every city in the world looks exactly the same. Everyone's really excited about work travel until you start traveling for work and then you realize that it is just work. You're just in different rooms. Yeah. Um, and I much prefer not traveling these days. <laughs> it's just, I don't know why. I just prefer being in my little zone. Yeah, I, 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 it, it, I think, I think it, it, it depends. You know, I, you know, work travel does get tiring but, you know, there are, there are opportunities, you know, that, that, that you know. You see I, amazing I, stuff. I, I've, you know, through, through work travel, I've, I've had, you know, some amazing experiences. I've got to, got to meet amazing people. Um, but, but you do have to think a little bit. You, you do have to, you know, plan ahead. That's why I do, you know, like taking my bike if I can because, you know, you, you, know, you can break that cycle of. You're falling of, into of the, the comforts of home, yeah, and, yeah. And, and feeling familiar with things. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. And so just. Then you know, and, and being able to get out and explore, um, you know, spaces and and you know whether it's yeah, you know, go for a run or go for a walk or go for a, for a bike ride or something like that. You know, just getting out and and seeing a bit of the city that you're in or yeah, you know, um, that kind of stuff. What's yeah. your favourite part of France? Uh, the Alps. Yeah. 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 No. No question. Beautiful. No, but, yeah, yeah. I'm, I've never been. Yeah, you, know, so you, know, you know, everybody talks about France as sort of, uh, sorry, Paris as, as, as being this amazing city. And look, it is, it is an amazing city, but it's definitely not my favourite part of uh, part of France. You know, yeah. I, I love being out in the countryside. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, once you get into the uh, into the Alps, you, you know, um, we've we've driven the, the the freeway from from Lyon towards the Alps you know many many times and you sort of you know in this flat farmland and 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 then you know in the in the distance you start to see these big mountains just start turning up and there's Mont Blanc and you know you just you know, they just get and, bigger and, and bigger they get bigger and bigger <laughs> and then they're all around you yeah. And, and and yeah it's it, it is it is an amazing um amazing uh place on earth and so Are you a wine drinker? I am. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. going to France would also be a cool chance to well, sample yeah. some local wines. Yeah. Occasionally it is, mm-hmm. um, uh, but but I have to confess that um, that you know we we we've not had necessarily great wine experiences um, over there. Some some really really good. Yeah. Um, but also some uh, pretty yeah, ordinary. Okay. Yeah. 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 So um, no we we. So, so occasionally, occasionally it's wine, but um, but but also the uh, Belgian beers are a strong favourite with, <laughs> with the team. So, uh, yeah, end end of a long day and a, um, a and a nice Belgium, uh, you know, blonde. Just to uh, wrap it, just to wrap it all up. Yeah, yeah, it's not not too bad at all. That's amazing, um, Pete. That's it for us for today. We're uh, we're at the end. This is, again, I came into this one with the least possible information and uh, and you've been great to have on the show. I um, I would like to do this again. I'd probably like to do it again after you're back um, and, and come back and let us know some of the cool stuff that happened on on this tour. Um, and let's yeah. just, yeah, catch up on the flip side. No, thanks. Thanks, Mike. It's been, uh, been fun. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate.